Pray with me, please. Lord, nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling. Amen. Best-selling author Chuck Swindoll writes these words. Would you be amazed to learn that more has been written about King David than any other Bible character? For example, Abraham has 14 chapters of the Old Testament dedicated to his life. Joseph, the same number. Jacob has 11. Elijah... 10, but would you be amazed to learn how many chapters are dedicated to the life of King David? 66. And that doesn't even include the 59 additional references made to King David on the pages of the New Testament. Quite amazing. Now, I would have to tell you that from the very earliest moments of my childhood in Sunday school right to this moment here and now, King David has always drawn from me a deep fascination. I believe that's true because the Bible allows us to see his life as a whole from beginning to end. And not only that, but the Bible allows us to see his life whole, both the good and the bad. And so, beginning today and continuing for some weeks this fall, I want to lift up in your presence some significant slices from the life of King David believing that his life lived then has much to say about our life lived now. And I want to begin with this wonderful story of David and Goliath. I call it the rock star and his greatest hit. Cute, don't you think? <laughs> You do remember how it all began, don't you? Uh, the Philistine army, uh, commanded by this enormous giant Goliath, laid siege to the army of Israel. Now at that point, Goliath suggested a military tactic which sometimes was employed in those days. It was called a representative battle. It was a one-on-one -on -one contest with the winner of that contest being declared the victor both for himself and for his entire army. And so in this representative battle, Goliath would represent the Philistine army and then the Israelites would choose their own representative. The victor in the one-on-one -on -one combat would win the victory for the whole army. The loser would be declared vanquished for himself and for his whole army. Well, the problem in this instance was nobody in the Israelite army wanted to go up against the giant Goliath. And then, suddenly, David appeared. David. Little David. 
Not much more than a boy, actually. Just a teenager. Uh, Not even old enough to be in the army. Not only that, just a shepherd boy. Not a well-trained soldier, fighter, warrior at all. David, little David, volunteered to represent the army of Israel and to go against the giant Goliath. Well, it was absurd on the face of it. So much so that when Goliath saw David uh, standing before him, he cried out in ridicule, What is this, a joke? You're sending this little pipsqueak out here to do battle against me? I'm going to devour him like an animal devours its prey. David, bless him, was a touch more humble in his pregame interview. David said, I come in the power of the Lord, the God who delivered me from the jaw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from Goliath. Pay close attention to what David said there. You see, he had the foresight to see the present with hindsight. We always believe, don't we, that hindsight is 20-20. We always see things clearly looking back. Well, David looked back And that gave him the confidence and courage, knowing that God had been there with him in the past. He had the confidence and the courage to face the present and the future, to stand up to Goliath. And in what happened then, we gain a vivid reminder that our God is an awesome God. Our God is always engaged in turning the tables upside down and redefining reality. Our God is always engaged in taking people who feel that they're losers and making them into winners. People who feel they're weak and making them strong. People who feel that they are the least of all and making them the greatest of all. Our God is always taking ordinary people. Ha! People like you, people like me, ordinary people, and then doing extraordinary things with them and through them. Our God is an awesome God, and this awesome God of ours stands ready right now to deliver to you and to me all the power that we need to stand against any Goliath we may encounter in life. What an incredible story. And from that story today, I want to lift up for you two great spiritual principles. Here they are. Principle number one. We need to be open to what our awesome God wants us to do in life. What God wants us to do in life. In other words, be available. You see, God can't lead us to victory in life if we're not willing to make ourselves available to Him. Quite clearly in the story, that's what David did. David not only showed up on the battlefield, 
But when you read the story, it is crystal clear that David consciously, deliberately made himself available to be used by God. Be available, principle number one. Oh, to be sure, there were those there who didn't want David to be available. I mean, his brothers, for example. They tried everything they could think of to convince him just to go on back home where he belonged. Even King Saul said to David, Listen, you're too young to do this. He is an experienced warrior. He is a giant. Goliath is too much for you. You can't do this. David paid no heed to their advice. Now, mind you, it is important for us to remember just how big Goliath really was. The Bible describes his size in exact detail. The Bible says that he was six cubits and a span. Now, let me explain to you what that is. A cubit was the measurement between the elbow and the tip of the middle finger. In those days, that was about 16 or maybe 18 inches. A span was the distance between the extended tip of the little finger and the tip of the extended thumb. That's about 8 inches. You put it together, six cubits and a span, and it means that Goliath stood at least eight and a half and perhaps nine feet tall. Not only that, but the Bible describes his armor and his weapons in equally exacting detail. They were enormous, weighing altogether several hundred pounds. Goliath was in every sense of the word, a giant. Little wonder that the brothers David loved and the king David respected advised him not to go against the giant. David ignored their advice. David, you see, understood his value in life rested upon his relationship to God. David understood that just as God had used him in the past, so God could use him now. And therefore, David was open to what God wanted him to do in his life. David made himself available. There is something else I want you to see here. Once uh, everyone realized that David was determined to do this, at that point, King Saul said to him, listen, you can't go out there and fight Goliath without any armor. So here, take mine. Well, nice gesture. But you see, Saul was a big man. He was not as big as Goliath, but he was a big man. The Bible tells us that King Saul stood head and shoulders above every other man in Israel. 
He was a big man, and so his armor was big as well. That armor swallowed David up. And so David said, thanks, but no thanks. David, you see, was ready to do what God wanted him to do. He didn't think that he had to be somebody else. He didn't have to put on armor and to pretend to be someone he wasn't. That's the problem these days. I see so many Christians who who seem to want to be like somebody else. They want to pretend that they're somebody they're not. And all the while, God is wanting to use them just as they are. I love the way my friend Tony Campolo expresses it. Some years ago, Tony Campolo and his wife Peggy, because Tony was traveling on the speaking circuit quite extensively at that point in time, he and Peggy agreed that Peggy would be a stay-at-home mom rearing their two children. That's what Peggy did, and she loved it, and she was great at it. The problem was that occasionally when Peggy and Tony would go to parties or other social gatherings, uh, they would engage in conversation with others, and Occasionally, someone would say to Peggy, what is it that you do, Mrs. Campolo? And she would respond, I I don't really do anything. I'm just a mom. Well, after one of those parties, when they were driving home that night, Tony Campolo said to Peggy, honey, do you really think that you don't do anything? And she immediately responded, no, of course not. Being a mom is the greatest thing in the world. It's just that what I do seems insignificant when compared with what some other people do. And Tony Campolo said to her, well, then what you need to do is to find some way to tell others just how important what you are doing really is. Well, sure enough, the next time they went to one of these parties... They were standing together, and a man came up and engaged them in conversation, and after a few moments, this man, rather condescendingly, turned to Peggy and said, And what is it that you do, Mrs. Campolo? And she immediately responded, I happen to be engaged in nurturing two homo sapiens in the dominant values of the Judeo-Christian tradition, thus creating the kind of eschatological utopia which God envisioned from the beginning of time. And what is it that you do? The man stammered in response, Well, I'm just a lawyer. Be yourself. You don't have to try to be anyone else. Just be yourself and be available. Be open to what God wants to do in your life. Principle number one, be available. Principle number two, we need to be open to what our awesome God wants to do with us in life. What our awesome God wants to do with us in life. In other words, be ready. Be available and be ready. 
That means that we need to recognize the particular gifts, skills, and abilities that we possess, whatever they are, and then we need to develop those skills to the fullest degree so that we will be ready for God to do with us whatever God wants to do. That's the second principle. Be ready. It is quite clear that that's exactly what David did in his life. I want to explain it like this. David, as a shepherd, had to depend upon the simplest of resources in order to do his job. The only weapon that he had, really, was a slingshot. Now, understand in those days, and it's actually still true in the Middle East today, a shepherd's sling was a small leather pocket or pouch. And then extending out from each side of that pouch was a rope or leather band in opposite directions. A rock or a stone would be placed in that pouch. The two bands would be grasped in one hand at the end, and then the whole thing would be twirled around the head until it reached the desired velocity. And at that point, one band would be released and the stone would be propelled. Now, they always used smooth rocks, not rough ones, smooth rocks because they nestled down more securely in the pouch or the pocket. And thus they achieved a greater speed and accuracy upon release. Even today in the Middle East, shepherds use that kind of slingshot with startling accuracy and deadly results. So David quite clearly took this particular skill, developed it to the max. I mean, after all, we're told that he had even killed the likes of lions and bears with his sling. So David took this skill of his and pushed it to the fullest so that he was then ready to be open to anything God wanted to do with him in his life. And therefore, when he felt God was calling him to go against Goliath, David didn't think to himself, well, he, Goliath is so big and I'm so small that he's going to kill me. No, he didn't think that at all. You know what David thought to himself? He thought, Goliath is so big, I can't possibly miss him. And so David took his slingshot, and he got five smooth stones, the Bible tells us. Ha! Turned out he only needed one. And then David, little David, young, lithe, agile, light on his feet, began to dance back and forth and around this ponderous, lumbering giant so that the giant couldn't keep up with him. And as he did, David then placed one of those stones securely in the pocket of his sling. And then he took the ends of the bands and he began to twirl them about his head in those ever-quickening gyrations. And then right at the right moment, the stone was released. Wham! It was over in an instant. David won because David gave God his best. That's the message. Be ready to give God your best. Be ready to develop whatever skills you possess 
and be ready then to be used by God as he wishes in winning great victories in life. Maybe for me, the most perfect illustration of that truth is the experience of Dr. Evan O'Neill Kane. He was a surgeon at the Summit Hospital in New York City where he practiced for 30 years. At one point, uh, Dr. Evan O'Neill Kane became involved in a bit of a controversy with his fellow doctors. You see, he had come to the conclusion that in some cases, local anesthetic could be used even in some forms of major surgery. And since general anesthesia contains significant risks, he was advocating the use of local anesthetic in some surgeries. The other doctors contradicted him. They declared that could not work. You would be endangering the life and health of the patient. Dr. Evan O'Neill Kane was a man of great faith, and he had the courage of his convictions. And he came to the point where he realized that the matter could only be settled by finding a volunteer who was willing to undergo major surgery using nothing more than local anesthetic. At long last, a volunteer was found. The surgeon was Dr. Evan O'Neill Kane, and the case was an appendectomy. Now, Dr. Kane had performed 4,000 appendectomies in his career. This one would be unusual. And so in the operating room, Dr. Evan O'Neill Kane administered the local anesthetic. And then he proceeded to make the incision. He clamped off the blood vessels. He removed the appendix. And then he sutured and closed the incision. Dr. Evan O'Neill Kane had proved his point in a surgical procedure that took place on February the 15th, 1921. The medical record declared the operation was successful, the patient endured only minor discomfort. Now, I told you that the surgeon was Dr. Evan O'Neill Kane. I didn't tell you the name of the patient. The patient's name was Dr. Evan O'Neill Kane. He operated on himself. You see, he was a man who developed his skill to the fullest degree, and then he used them with courage and with faith. That, dear friends, is the secret to winning great victories in life. Give God the best that you have, the best that you are. Be ready, be open to whatever God wants to do with you in your life. Principle number two, be ready. Well, here, dear friends, is what I believe to be true. You can gain as much out of life as you are willing to trust God for, or you can have as little out of life 
as you are willing to settle for. That's why I am challenging you today to give God the best that you have, the best that you are. I am challenging you today to be open to what God wants to do in your life and to what God wants to do with you in your life. And then you will be able to glorify God for all of the victories He will give you through the power of Jesus Christ. Here's the way Beth Moore says it. No giant can match up against a big God with a little rock. (laughs) Here's the way I say it. You and God together can defeat any Goliath you will ever face in your life. Pray with me, please. Mighty God, hear my prayer. Give us the power of Jesus Christ that we may live in Him, by Him, through Him, and for Him always. Amen.